Hello, everyone. It's time to eat, drink, and be merry with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Big Blend Radio's Wine Time with Peggy show. We do this every first Wednesday, and it is a new year. So happy new year, everybody. Uh, very excited to have Peggy back on the show. Peggy and her husband, Kurt, own and run LDV Winery. Uh, LDV Winery, the tasting room is in Scottsdale, an awesome art destination just outside of Phoenix. And then the vineyard is in the Chiricahua foothills. And that region mm -hmm. is the southeast uh, section of corner of Arizona. So just east of Tucson, a beautiful area, lots of wineries, lots of hiking. And uh, so the website to go to is ldvwinery.com. So welcome back, Peggy. How are you? I'm doing terrific. I'm excited about the new year. Yeah, hey. you know, that's the thing. We've got it up on our site, even though right now, as this airs, mm -hmm. it's January 4th, right? Uh, right? You've got your good luck uh, black eyed peas uh, recipe for everybody, but uh, it's got a good Cajun kick in there. So I say we can eat this all year or all month long, right, to really kind of push that good luck, because I think the world is going you know what, there's been wars, there's been COVID, there's been recessions, there's been all kinds of negative stuff, and we're tired of it. So can we start, you know, having some good luck? So I say eat it every day. I say go ahead and eat it. I mean, it is a tradition for New Year's Day to have black eyed peas, even though I'm not from the South. I, I take uh, cover all my bases, you know, I, I want to cover all my bases. So we have made a, tr a tradition in our household that we start the year with our good luck black black eyed peas. But sometimes I've missed it on, on the first and I will try it the week later or whatever. But um, yeah, we want good luck for everyone. So for sure. it's a great yeah. recipe. Oh, and you've got andouille sausage in there. I had to bring it up. We right. love our sausage. It is such great, uh, and Dewey is wonderful sausages. And, you know, if you want to make those black eyed peas, we do it for lunch, but pair it with a uh, really um, dry Sauvignon Blanc um, or a Viognier oh. would be perfect. You know, I always talk okay. about when you have a spicy food like these spicy um, Cajun black eyed peas, you want to pair it with something that can cut through the spiciness like a Sauvignon Blanc does mm -hmm. um, from mm -hmm. New Zealand or a, a Viognier from LDV. Either one would be beautiful with them. Oh, ah, sounds good nice. to me. See, it's mm -hmm. just another good excuse to have more wine. I mean, right? that right. we exactly. need those excuses, but good so luck. I, I've got to ask, how is the vineyard? I mean, did you guys get snow in Arizona at all over this winter? Yeah, we've we've had our first snow this year that covered the vineyard and covered the mountain behind us. Um, right now, we don't have any snow, but it's it's chilly. You know, the beauty of desert in in Arizona, it might be very cold in the morning, but that sun comes out, particularly at the altitude that we're at, and it gets you know pretty intense. Not hot, of course, but it gets the chill out of the air. And then it goes, once the sun goes down, it gets chilly again. Mm -hmm. But we haven't, um, we've been down into the, the 40s and the 30s, but not much more. Not, not That's warm older. to us where we are right yeah, now. No, Sorry, that's but... so good. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, it's so, it's so wild to think everyone's posting photos of, you know, the Arizona Christmas and, and they're just like with a nice little sweater on or, you know. 
I, I'm like, no, that <laughs> this is why everybody, yeah. you know, migrates down south over winter because, you know, For that sure. wind chill, I found out what true wind chill is and you could actually see it move through the air. Mm-hmm. It's like mini snow tornadoes going past. And they even said, like, if you stick your hand out, you can get frostbite within 30 seconds. And I, wow. of course, decided, yeah, yeah what's around? Because <laughs> apparently, <laughs> don't you run know, through stupid. it. You know, it's like when my mom taught me, don't put your hand on the stove, it'll burn. Yeah. Oh, really? Let's see. Well, yeah. it's cold out there. Let, let's just put it that way. Wind chill is, is really, I wonder about the vineyards in these climates up north that have like really crazy wind chill, mm. if that affects their grapes in their vineyard or does it not? Like for you, you don't have to really worry about that. Not this time of year for us, and most most vineyards are dormant at this time of year. So they, um, you know, and and they they grow grape varieties that are tailored to that kind of weather. So they are. I would hope that they're cold tolerant, um, and I'm assuming they do some kind of protection of those roots and those grapes during the below freezing temperatures. Um, I mean we they're dormant in our field right now and there's really mm. not a lot we still are are doing winter watering in the vineyard but we're not doing anything necessarily to have to worry about the frost it won't mm. it won't hurt our vines at this time of year good we, we don't want any damage because we no want damage. more good wine we you know it's like kick off the go put back peas all out in the bottom of the vineyard yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, it's some good, good juju. Yeah, I've seen crops with um, what they call them, smudge pots sure. at the end of yeah each row of whatever the vegetable or, or fruit might be. Sure, to, and to keep them warm. Correct, and that's to they'll light those to get some um, warm air flowing through the vineyard to mm. to help protect them. Um, and again, I'm not as familiar with growing grapes in really cold areas like mm. that, but um, you know, I'm assuming that's what they might do to get that airflow uh, warmed up on those. They do that vines. in citrus. I know they do that in citrus. Correct. Those mm-hmm. smudge pots and then all of that good stuff. But today's right. term is we can put a cork in it, right? So yes. corks. Corked and it. I'm fascinated by this because why did we start with the cork? I mean, I know that made sense back in the day. And then some people go, you can't have a screw top. And I don't, I don't know what, I mean, does it, does it make a does difference? Matter? I think, well, I think it does, you know, and I, oh, fell, okay. I okay. fell in love with corks uh, on a trip to Portugal and we oh. were having this picnic, um, a wine picnic, of course, in this cork oak forest. And they had just harvested the cork. And so um, the cork actually gets peeled off the trees and they only take half of the bark off of a cork tree and they roll it. So it looks like these humongous rolled things of of cork and they let it dry out in this cork field and so we were sitting amongst all of these incredible cork oak trees and having our lunch and and this was way before we were in the wine business and we were just fascinated by corks and uh, Mm. I think the number is like 68 percent of all cork produced for wine stoppers um, 
our our produce were wine stoppers. You know, that's what they use okay. them primarily for. And that using a, a wine cork to, uh, for the wine it dates back all the way to the 1600s. Before that, they used to use a rag basically soaked in alcohol, I believe it was, and to, oh. to, to stop the wine from pouring out, which doesn't make any sense to me, but no. they started to use the cork. Um, <laughs> you know, we use cork instead of, and, and we use real corks. You can get synthetic cork, you can get mm, uh, glass corks uh, or wine uh, closures. You can get screw tops, obviously. But we um, we like the sustainability because we're all about growing sustainably and trying to look for uh, products and, and our bottles and everything else are all intentionally chosen because of their sustainability. And the cork tree, you know, the first time they harvest a cork tree, it's 25 years old. And they, wow. right. And they only harvest a cork, the bark um, for the cork every nine years. And you don't kill a cork tree when you have to um, harvest it. So it's a very renewable resource mm. in our opinion. Mm. And um, so we love it. And because we make wine that's ageable. Um, so as you know, we age our wines before we release it to the public for up to three years, our red wines. And then uh, you can actually lay our wine down in your cellar probably another eight to 10 years or more. And that cork keeps it protected, uh, I think, better than a screw top um, which doesn't allow any kind of air into that bottle. Mm. So, and you know what? I like the cork too, because you can make crafts and you exactly. can you can hang them from your hat if you need to, to get rid of flies, oh. like in Australia. <laughs> and and yeah, I like. I there's just something. Or, but you I get mean, the pop. Organic. You get when you pop. open it. You when get you have the, the champagne. Yes, you don't we got the, the bubbles. Pop. You don't get the pop with the screw top. No, no, you don't. You don't. Yeah. Like it's pop. like champagne with the, they do those. Yeah. Well, this is not necessary. It's not going to be champagne, but you know, some of those brands have plastic right. things for the bubblies. Right. And I just go like plastic and bubbles do not go unless you're a child playing with plasticky bubble, blow bubbles. That's I not, agree. it's not, I want the cork and I'm weird, but I like to smell the cork. Because right. it tells you that is, I don't know, it tells you you can smell yeast content in the cork. Yes. Now, am I weird? Yeah. Or no. No, 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 okay, no. no. You, always, you always should smell the cork. So when you, because mm. there is a thing of having a corked bottle of wine, you know, so that is when, when the sommelier at the restaurant opens your bottle of wine and hands you the cork, you are supposed to examine that cork and you examine it by looking at it first, by looking to see if there's any uh, mold or, or uh, mildew or something on, on that cork, but then you smell it and it should not, remember when we had, uh, we we're talking about cork taint and, and smells mm -hmm. and if it smelled like a, um, an old wet newspaper or a wet dog, well, that's probably a corked bottle of wine and mm -hmm. it's no good. So um, 
Smell That's when cork. you can say, put a cork in it. Put a cork, put in a cork it. back yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, uh, you know, you, I, I don't necessarily have to taste the wine to know if it's good or not. I can examine the cork and, and smell the cork to determine if the wine is, is of good quality and, and ready to drink. That's better than tasting it. Yeah. Because if it's there, there's been some corks where I go, I don't know about this. You know what I mean? And yeah, so that's a, that's a good thing. So you know, talking about corks, this leads to your main conversation of topic is about trends, wine industry right. trends for 2023. And one of those trends you talk about is sustainability. Right. So looking at that um, is one of the top things that the consumer wants, the wine enthusiasts, and, and just even, you know, I think the, the, the world is looking at, we better shape it up a little bit in all industries. And that includes mm -hmm. the wine industry. Absolutely. And, and younger generations are, you know, maybe a little bit more focused on that than my generation, baby boomers and, and older. Um, but uh, it, it's very important for a lot of people about where their products, how their products are made, mm -hmm. where they are coming from. Um, are they being produced in a sustainable fashion? Is the, is the grower or the producer, uh, do they have an eye to protecting the environment in all aspects of their production? I think mm. it's becoming more and more important. And mm. um, you mm -hmm. see a lot of growers like ourselves, I mean, we're, we're, very focused on sustainability. However, we're not bio, bio uh, organic or biodynamic um, producer. Um, we're not certified organic, but we probably could be if I if I sit down and do all the paperwork. To, to oh my God, you're going to need to have another winery of wine just for that because exactly. the paperwork's crazy, but you're vegan. Yeah. And right. that's something that is also about being sustainable. A lot mm. of people choose to be vegan right. uh, because it, it is actually a good choice. And, mm. and even from what I understand, it's even better for the soil. So um, right. a lot of them, a lot of people choose to be vegan. There's no, you have to have vegan sausage then, <laughs> vegan yeah. sausage, but, right. but uh, vegan. And I'm seeing a lot of vegan wines being out there, but um cheese people vegan cheeses are now stepping up to the plate uh, uh, to go to pair with vegan wines for the the vegan right. you know that once hey i want to have cheese and wine but we don't want to have the weird mm -hmm. cheese we want we right. want it to be good and and they're i think it's getting better and better right i mean people are are really wanting to know what goes in their body so they're mm -hmm. looking at labels they're looking at um, producers are trying to buy local, you know, if you, if you are focused on buying from your local farmer or the farmer's market, trying to eat closer to home, then you should know your winemaker and know mm -hmm. how the winemaker is producing your wine, because it does make a difference. Um, and you can produce high quality, uh, wonderfully tasting wines like ours and still do it in a very natural, very mm -hmm. sustainable way. Um, thinking about all aspects of our production. Um, oh, now I know you mentioned this on one of the most recent shows, and then you've got an article talking about these trends up on blendradioandtv.com, everyone. And you mentioned lab labeling, like you can't right. just go, hey, made in Arizona. Now is it going to be like, we got so many bubbles. Per <laughs> I don't know what 
the meat bubbles courage. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to do that? That is a big um, topic of discussion in our, our industry because the mm -hmm. the regulating uh, authorities are looking at uh, requiring wine to have uh, nutritional labels on it, like food products do. Wow. And in the in the UK, I believe they have already passed that. So wines being produced there must have a label showing uh, what's in it and. Mm -hmm. It's um, very controversial, very, uh, I don't know what actually is going to happen, but I think we're going to see something passed or, or some resolution to that conversation over the next year. And we're either going to be required wow. to include that on our labels, that nutritional value or, or what's in it, you know, to be able to tell mm -hmm. the consumer what's in it. Right now, all that we're required to do is to uh, indicate the fact that what the alcohol content is and what the sulfites um, that, yeah. that it contains sulfites, but nothing else. Like if I, um, mm. you know, use animal products in my, in your wine, uh, that's not told to people on it or dairy um, or egg products. And a lot of people are allergic to those things. Like that's in fish. And sometimes right, that's fish. used in the yep. soil. And like, we've yep. talked about that with some wines, I suddenly start getting a little, you know, um just you know oh, little other allergy other sensitive or... i remember um when we were um speaking with adam roberts once he's talking about tiger bone being used in one yeah we've touched one. on that yeah yeah you know and and the tigers going exhaust most of the tigers breeds are actually already extinct but you know when you think about that the last thing i want to do is have a glass of wine at the expense of an endangered animal Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it's, it's going to add a cost. I don't know, as a small producer like us, you know, it's going to add cost to our each bottle of wine. I, I, and we're going to have to figure out how to do that. I would assume mm -hmm. we'd send it out to a lab, which we do anyways, before we bottle, but um, for that yeah. analysis of what is in the wine so that we can put them on the label. But we haven't, as an industry, I don't think we have figured it out. We, um, the majority of the industry is fighting it uh, not to have to do that. Um, and I think it's because of the cost and sure. just the difficulty of instituting it. Do you mm. think that it could end up being more like a state run, like one state, like California, for example, because, you know, it all starts in California with laws <laughs> that California goes, hey, we're going to do this and then go state by state. Or if it's industry, it's industry standard, period. Well, it's it's a, a federal, um, our labels are federally regulated. So my guess, it, it would be a labeling law. And so it'd be part mm -hmm. of our regulations for getting label approvals. Um, mm. Now, if you're a really small producer, there's ways of not having to get federal approval of your label, but uh, our labels are approved by the federal government. So we would fall under that um, requirement, uh -huh. most likely. So going with this too, because of people wanting to know what they're what they're drinking and eating too, right? Right. Um, are you mm -hmm. seeing, you know, because one of your your trends uh, you're saying is that, and we're seeing this just with all the press releases we're getting that it's we're in mocktail cocktail universe, and you know, so people are doing mocktails, and um, it seems like we're, I mean, you know, the days of you know rock and roll 
drug, sex, right. and rock and roll are kind of over now. It's like here's here's your your two percent alcohol wine. Uh, is that is are you seeing that really? Is that really happening? That now, yeah, the market is dictating how much alcohol goes into wine because doesn't it just go by what the grape wants to do? I mean. Do you well, have no, to kind of change it or what happens? No, you can adjust it, but there the there is this growing trend of people wanting to um, watch their alcohol content and mm, are wanting so to have a lower um, amount of alcohol and uh, looking for wines that are lower in alcohol. And it's, it's a way you can produce the wine. It's not always, I can... Um, you can have a sweet wine that's high in alcohol and you can have a very dry wine mm. that is low in alcohol. Mm. So it, um, it can, it's, it's part of the winemaking process, uh, that okay. you can adjust it. Um, I think that's a bummer. I mean, there's part of the, <laughs> I know when Nancy read that, that's the first thing she said. It's like, why? Like, well, no, but yeah. can you, I mean, you can do like, here's your low alcohol and then for the rest of us, rest of us, right. for the rest of us. Right. <laughs> I'm well, going to air my just, grievance right now. I want, I want just my content. Slower, you know, I like you, to have a smile on just, my face when I drink my just, wine. I, 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 yeah, exactly. exactly. You can drink less or drink slower instead well, of know, making the rest of us but, do what you have to do for your own but the, honestly, whatever mentality and body. If you have to drink less, that's okay for you. But but it is about also some of us are like keto, no, people are doing this keto diet thing where you know they can oh. eat sausage. But by the way, people, there's sugar in sausage. Um, right. <laughs> just saying, yeah. nanny nanny nanny. But like they're not doing, they're doing as much of a sugar free diet as possible. So it's not necessarily that you don't want alcohol, but they're trying to stay away from it and could right. be allergies. But um, what about bubbles? That that's another thing going up, right? Right. Yeah. One other thing about that is like our wines are higher in alcohol and they always will be, but there's zero residual sugar, you know, okay. so you can have zero sugar and still have a, a nice, um, you know, the key is balance. Like I've always talked yeah. in the past, the key is balance. You don't want a, a high alcohol wine that's going to blow your head off. Um, no. But you want it balanced so that you're not getting a burn down your throat from the alcohol. So it's, right. It's fine wine producing, and and so you can always drink our wine and get you'll you'll have the alcohol. Uh, your wine is fantastic. Your, I can't <laughs> wait you. to come back to. And by the um, way, you, people can ship. You can right. ship right now because it's nice Absolutely. and cool weather. Yeah. So yep. everyone know that ldvwinery.com. Just saying. Thank you. Um, but and yeah, I mean, go ahead. Bubbles. You love bubbles. I know you 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 love bubbles. And, and so we Yeah. And so we have been seeing a trend over the last few years that um, it's become popular, not just for that special occasion for a birthday to open up uh, or your anniversary to open a bottle of champagne, but it's everyday drinking. Um, for mm -hmm. sparkling wines, which is fun. So and <laughs> that's a fun way to do like yes. why not? Yeah, hey, why a little not? bubbly. Hey, listen, yeah. I say you gotta live while you can. <laughs> right, right. Life's too short to drink bad wine. So well, I look at it I look at it as a de-stressor when I think mm -hmm. it's important to de-stress. <laughs> Listen, I, I was just doing a thing on Louis Pasteur, the scientist, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the biologist and the micro, you know, talk about all of that. 
He said the best source of nutrition and the best thing for our bodies is wine. I was reading these quotes today. Wow. He was all into wine. Cool? And was it, I think it was him. I'm going to have to go back and look it up. I, I just didn't, I should have had it prepared. But yeah, he's all into wine. And I'm like, dude, you know, he's, yeah. he's the man who started, you know, antibiotics and all kinds. Well, not antibiotics, but he, you he know, pasteurized milk. He, so, and, like, and yeah. he started with the whole vaccine. So I thought, Hey, we could be nice about him if our, I mean, if we had vaccines that were wine, everybody right. would have been vaccinated for COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been better, but, but I love right. this at bubbles. That's a good trend. That's a good trend. Absolutely. That's exciting. I mean, if I would love to be able to make a, a sparkling wine at LDD, it, it takes a different kind of equipment and I would want to do it you know, traditionally, because we're, we're mm. pretty traditional in our winemaking style. So I would make it Champenoise style, which is uh, a more traditional way. But you'll seeing the trend, of course, with different packaging, you'll see um, now sparkling wine in cans. Um, and it's not the traditional way of making um, sparkling wine with, but it's, it's, it's making it more accessible and mm -hmm. uh, easier to make. And it's basically gassing the wine to get the bubbles in there and um, like sparkling waters and spark, mm -hmm. spark, and they make it the sparkling wine. So you're seeing it in cans. It's kind of tinny. Would you do that? Would you do it? Kind of tinny, like in mm -hmm. can? No, we, we've had canned wine. Yeah. We've had canned wine. We had canned wine when we went to the Arboretum in Asheville, North Carolina. And what's right. cool is that you're at the Arboretum and you're surrounded mm -hmm. by flowers and all this art and, you know, public art. And you're like, oh, we had, we had a little lunch. And then we're like, well, we'll just walk around with our wine. And, and it was quite lovely. And it wasn't bad. It was chilled. Uh -huh. I remember it was a red one because mm -hmm. we both thought, eh. But it actually, when we had it, it wasn't, I, I, it wasn't bad. So I think right. it depends on the wine. You're, I, it, I think it goes down to what you're drinking. I mean, there's... right good boxed wine that's okay for like table right. wine and then there's box wine that you never should have right <laughs> well and, and that's you're going to see that again for packaging um different bottles bags uh, it's more portable to, to go hiking with cans of wine versus <laughs> bottles of wine or in your purse like you or your your bag that we talked about at a previous <laughs> portofino, session yep. the portofino yep. but um it's more portable that way is to do it in a can um and, and there's an argument to be made about being more sustainable versus a bottle you know a bottle mm -hmm. uh though glass is recyclable um mm -hmm. you know there's a cost associated with shipping a bottle of wine versus, you know, um, cans of like wine, cans. so to speak. Right, right. But, um, you know, we chose our bottle because of the weight of the bottle. We had tr traditional burgundy bottles in the past that were very heavy um, mm -hmm. to ship. So we purposefully changed our bottle to a lighter bottle so it had less mm -hmm. of a footprint and that type of thing. So, I mean, there's that debate about is bottle glass still as sustainable as some other packaging that we can use wow um, so this your industry is in a little bit of a change and yes you know it's it's um i know that it is not um easy on the on the budget all these changes right. and you know and some may be but you know we always said that if you want to change the environment it does come from what we do as the consumer us 
communicating, right. you know, this is where we want to spend our money. So it does affect you guys. Sorry. But, yeah, you know, yeah, but I'm, the environment affects us all, too. You but know? I believe I believe in transparency. I believe in the fact that, you know, we want to tell our customers uh, what is in our wine, how we produce it so that they can make an educated decision about what they choose to enjoy. And, and hopefully it's ours. Um, but that's people are interested in that. And I think that's important. And I think that another trend is um you know, people are choosing to go to new wine regions to, for their mm. traveling instead because good. of, I think, some regions are overpricing um, their their visit mm. and, and people can't afford to go to Napa Valley or Sonoma. Um, and so they're choosing new wine regions that are more approachable and more affordable. Because like yours. I mean, when you think mm -hmm. about people flying into Phoenix, Correct. You know, that's a major airport. I mean, that's a hub for the Southwest. Mm -hmm. And being able to just go to Scottsdale or if you're doing an event down at the Vineyard, I mean, it's just not that far. And, yeah. you know, I, it's just, I, I get excited when people learn that you can get wine in all 50 states, but right. that yes. Arizona has some amazing wines and that's you can include wine. that. I, you know, I was telling a, a friend about the whole area, her and her husband were looking at coming out to Arizona and so I said well if you go I told them about you and I think we talked about this on a show and they're coming out now because awesome. I'm like oh and you have wine she goes well that's it you know yeah. I didn't know I could go <laughs> yeah. hiking and have wine and experience all the mm -hmm. things you're telling me and do wine tasting you know so she's like right. no way that that's that is exciting to him to be able to right. do something that you don't always hear about and Napa Napa's like I mean it, I'm not knocking Napa whatsoever no. Yeah. But like Napa is like a, it, it's almost overwhelming, you know, when you get into these really well-known massive wine regions, it can be overwhelming and which one do you go to? And, you know, so I think it's, it's nice to have smaller areas to explore. It's more intimate. Exactly. And so in Arizona, you can fly into Phoenix and, and do the urban wine trail, which is in Scottsdale and visit urban wineries, their, their actual wineries like mm. ours are three hours away, but you get a sense and you get to taste uh, Arizona wine that way, all within mm. walking distance. But then an hour and a half outside to the north of mm. the Phoenix area, you can have the vineyard experience and you can see wineries and see where the grapes are grown and, and that type of thing. And there's some wonderful mm. uh, visits that you can have. Uh, that's the other part is actually um going to tasting rooms and having that educate you talk about that in the trends to the education the you know doing events like you do like uh, take your corks and make something or yeah, yeah. you know make you know paint and drink wine so there's or learn to cook or do the charcuterie board did I say it right yeah charcuterie? You did. Charcuterie. Oh, oh my gosh it's gonna be it. a good year <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> my first big word <laughs> Yeah. of the year but it, you know so you learn all these things you know I think that's the other thing people want that education and I think right. that's exciting you know? right I'm, I'm sure you're seeing that in the travel industry but um, mm -hmm. they're looking for that immersive experience so how right. what, I don't just want to go wine tasting I want to learn something about mm -hmm. the region and how the wine was made and and what the nuances are 
of that wine. So our Lanez de Vin aromatherapy for wine lovers kind of class really get the, the consumer engaged in and expand their knowledge. And you're also seeing, I think, a trend that's going to grow this year even more is the combination of the food and wine tours. Mm -hmm. So you can not only uh, taste local food from the, that region, but also pairing it with local wines. And mm. I think the consumer is looking for that. And um, you're in a perfect hub for that. For for Phoenix and your region, you have a lot of growers and uh, small restaurants that are doing true farm to table. So do you see yourself doing more of those kind of events, whether you're going out and pair, partnering with, you know, your, your local growers and and uh, restaurants or do you see them coming more into the tasting room to do things or i think a combination of both absolutely um i i have bookings all the way into march and april for food and our food and uh or excuse me our cheese and wine pairing um experiences as well as our chocolate and wine uh, experiences so mm -hmm. people that are traveling and of course high season for arizona for travel is in the spring so january through may uh, that's when people come to arizona particularly mm -hmm. the phoenix area and so I, I'm already booking a lot of those experiences mm. for folks. I think the chocolate part is really fascinating because mm -hmm. we did that over Christmas. Uh, some friends gave us some uh, truffles from a dark chocolate truffles from Paris. Mm. And I, I just have to tell you that pairing that yeah. was a whole different thing. And you had to eat, you had to eat a couple truffles to be able to pair because, right. yeah. And so what I found was we had a, Brute, a bubbly. It was a very dry that that paired better than being to because it wasn't that sweet. It had a right. Swedish center on the, 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 the truffle, but it was yeah. that bitter. It was just they're fantastic. In fact, we need we need to have some right after this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we need some fun. wine. But it yeah. felt like it had to be a dry, and we had it with a dry. And normally, I would automatically think it needed to be a, a red wine, but it didn't need to be that's awesome no that's a lot of fun because of course uh the cacao rating will help dictate what you pair the wine with so the higher the cacao rating the the you know the drier the wine but um yeah that's a we can do a show on that on chocolate february let's do yes. chocolate it's, okay. it's oh yeah that's you know, perfect it's the valentine let's do i'd it. rather talk about that than presidents because <laughs> it's president's <laughs> day weekend let's let's stick to love love yeah, and chocolate and wine sounds a lot better to me <laughs> we'll do it for those for those who entertain you know going to a tasting room and um learning more about the wine and what to pair it with really helps you know, yeah. so when you when you really f find that you're faced with <laughs> cooking for people and having them over, you can feel a little more confident in your choice of of wine and what to pair it with. Save you money. Correct. And I mean, that's yeah. the beauty of wine tasting is yeah. to um, try something new, try something that you've never tried and see what you like. I mean, you're not going to like everything and that's perfectly fine. Um, mm. But the key is to to understand the nuances and the differences mm -hmm. between them and our the folks in our tasting room and hopefully most tasting rooms are really educated and can help the consumer make a, um, understand what they're tasting and understand mm -hmm. how to talk about it 
um, mm -hmm. and help them fine tune what they like and don't like about it. Mm -hmm. So we try to make wine very approachable. And everyone's getting back together. I mean, even the holiday season traffic shows us right it's like what what the world is out and we've all forgotten to drive yeah. how to drive but um so everyone be safe but um i think people are entertaining again but not maybe as huge you know big parties right. but smaller intimate yeah. ones you know even for weddings i think you know weddings if you had like a wine and chocolate you know that to me would be a nice way to do a, a smaller wedding you know absolutely there's all kinds of ways you bet awesome yeah yeah cool. So I, th cool. I, I think uh, the key for the wine industry looking for trends is that we need to bring the younger population into the to really enjoy wine and so a lot of these trends are geared to introducing a whole new generation to wine but trying mm -hmm. to do it in a way that um meets their values and mm -hmm. their their desires so it's an exciting year ahead i think I love cool. it. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone, Peggy is here. Peggy Fiendaka is here every first Wednesday for Wine Time with Peggy. So we got to talk mm -hmm. chocolate and cacao just so we can say cacao, like chocolate yeah. and cacao. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so we can say that. Uh, so we'll do that on in February. Um, everyone go to ldvwinery.com. Keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. And Peggy, I know you love your music. So yes. with it being the new year and the fact mm -hmm. that we're still celebrating and we need to have bubbles, you know, more bubbles this year. Yes. Um, here's a song called Pour the Champagne. It is mm -hmm. by uh, John Close, uh, amazing singer, songwriter. Uh, everyone, you can go to his website, John Close, and that's J-A-N-N. And Close is K-L-O-S-E. He, he's, you know, from Germany, lived in Germany, Kenya, England, South Africa. Same, we've, we've had like the same pathway in life. It is crazy. So everyone keep up with him and his podcast too. So here it is. Pour the champagne. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. -bye. Thank Bye. you. I hear you talk about the future. And how it's supposed to be I'll watch you paint a picture What will be, will be You worry about tomorrow You lost in yesterday Can we keep it in the moment? We only got today Imaginary places I visit them with you Don't ever fight a feeling It's just a part of you I found your heart up on your sleeve You changed my point of view It's a difference We got here, we got now 